It's a special week for the Emerging Cricket Podcast, with two shows releasing in a day and a third inside a week. On this edition of the EC Pod, a special chat with former Afghanistan Cricket Board CEO Shafiq Staniksai, who gives his perspective on the situation unfolding and the future of cricket in the country. We hope and strive to do the situation in Afghanistan justice. Elsewhere, we've wrapped the ICC T20 Women's World Cup Europe qualifier and Thailand's 2-1 victory over Zimbabwe on another episode dropping today, so as soon as you're finished here, head over and enjoy that. Also, Nate Hayes caught up with Liam Plunkett this week to discuss his move to the States, and you can catch that on YouTube and across the usual spots. Finally, it's been a big week for the Emerging Cricket Patreon page with three new patrons. Welcome Brent Simmons, Lanford Hudson, and Alex, aka AAPT. Thank you so much for joining the EC movement. And if you'd like to contribute to our Emerging Cricket mission, find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Emerging Cricket. Nick and Tim join me for this one. Enjoy a special EC pod. On the Emerging Cricket Podcast this week, we're joined by former CEO of the Afghanistan Cricket Board, Shafiq Staniksai. First of all, Shafiq, thank you for joining us. We know that these aren't the most pleasant of times, but grateful to have your perspective on matters. First of all, how, how are you doing? Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, uh, I'm good, uh, but anxious and uncertain. Uh, but overall, good. It hasn't been a particularly rosy time, and, and everyone is well aware of, of all of that. First of all, from your perspective, and as someone who's been involved in, in the country and involved in Afghanistan cricket for a long time, describe to us just how important cricket is in the, in the fabric of Afghanistan before, I suppose, we, we move into some of the more pressing matters. It's something that you know we, we identify with Afghanistan cricket now. Describe it, it, its role in the country. Well, uh, cricket, I say it's the biggest blessing to to Afghanistan, to its people, to the entire nation. Like we have gone through so many phases. Like I can I can describe the journey of a cricket in so many phases. First we were struggling, like I was one of those first 12 cricketers who started cricket in Afghanistan. Uh, the society was not accepting us. Even our, our parents were not allowing us to play cricket. And making that unpopular, unaccepted game in the country as number one sports inside Afghanistan and then gaining uh, an identification like giving an, a new identity to Afghans, Afghans across the globe. It's a very uh, historical journey, a very pleasing to the eyes and ears journey and uh, each one of us who are involved in that journey uh, we feel very privileged, very pride, uh, proud and uh, very happy that we were part of uh, this historical journey. With everything happening at the moment, and not only to include cricket, but life in general, how different will life be now for for Afghans in the current situation that they're in? Because I think for for us in in the West, it, it can be very difficult for us to, I guess, equate a lot of the things that are happening at the moment. And, and you have used cricket and and other people have come in and, and Afghanistan has gained a different identity. What's going to happen now with the situation that Afghanistan is currently in? Well, to be honest, Daniel, with you, uh, whatever happened for us as Afghans, the only surprising factor was that 
uh, we were not expecting it this soon and this dramatic. But what we were going through to the previous system, the people who were involved, we knew how capable or incapable they are. And the drama which was circulating around this Doha talk and all these things, uh, we could assume that, okay, something dramatic is going to happen in the country. But the speed it happened, it was a very surprise. And our predictions were, or, or the lobby which has made throughout those time was a bit scary. Yeah, it was very tense situation, very uncertain moment to us. Uh, we were in tears to see the hard work that Afghans, I would say specifically Afghans. Why Afghans? We, not NRAs, those proxies that came from across the globe, occupied the seats, important seats in the government, and they were the most corrupt people. I won't say all of them, but majority of them were the most corrupt people. And they were to destroy every hard work that a genuine Afghan who suffered and who grew up in the country, who saw the country go through so many turmoil, so many difficulties. They were just after those people too, put the hard work of those genuine Afghans in vain. So first few days, like till now, we are uncertain. Uh, the fear for us is that, okay, the hard work that has been put on in those 20 years would go in vain, or will there be a system that they appreciate those hard work and where Afghanistan is right now, they could take it from there and develop it even further. The other biggest problem that currently we are facing is that will the world accept the new structure of Taliban or will they abandon us? So we are going through so many traumas and so many fears. There is a fear of uh, identity crisis, a loss of talent, like you could see more than almost 5% or 10% or beyond that of the population of Afghanistan are going outside of the country. And they are the talent of that country. They are the people that those 20 years were invested in them. And that country needs those people. And they're traveling for, out of fear, out of uncertainty. Nothing is there for them. So they're just trying to get out of the, out of the country. So it is very tragic situation for all the nation. As I told you, we are fear, the fear of identity crisis, the fear of the loss of talent, uh, the fear of abandonment. So these three traumas are huge in our life and we are just going through these traumas. It's very unfortunate situation. It's a biggest challenge for the current uh, People who are in power, Taliban, right now they are they're becoming a reality. They they hold the government. They took it by force or by military way. And uh, previously they were a militant group. They were a group that they were fighting for their cause. Now the fight is over. It's a different chapter for them. They're not fighting right now. They should deliver to the expectations of 36 million people who are living in that country which is they have to provide the system, the government structure, the public healthcare, communications, security, economy, sports, education, 
everything comes into that. Are they capable of providing or delivering to the expectations of the people? A. B. Are they willing to accept the existing talent that is inside the country who are willing to be in the country and willing to serve the country? How would they fit into that structure? And how would the world treat their new structure? So it's a bit, not a bit, it's a very challenging time for all Afghans. Uh, you, you talked about people getting out of Afghanistan. You got out. Um, just tell us a bit about how and when you, you managed to escape the, the country. Uh, okay, Nick. Uh, to answer you, I did not flew and I did not run away from the country. I came out of Afghanistan in 2020. Uh, in 2019, my tenure as Afghanistan Cricket Board uh, CEO got over. And right now I'm, I'm, I'm working. If I feel safe, if I feel fit into that system, for me, Afghanistan is my passion. Afghanistan is my first love. I'm the most patriotic person. I would never abandon my country and I would never ever would love to be called a second class citizen settling somewhere else. Of course, my first choice is Afghanistan. I would love to work for Afghanistan. I cannot live a purposeless life. I had a purposeful life in the country. Whatever I have done through 19 years of my career, it had a purpose behind it and it served the entire nation. So for me, living a purposeless life would be a very challenging task. And uh, I, would, I would live the entire life, my entire life under the trauma. Yeah, I'm having a very good job. I'm a privileged individual right now who has a job, who has a roof on top of his him. But still, it's a purposeless life. That's why I said, it's up to the world. Are they going to abandon Afghans again? Are we losing our talent once again? Are we going back to square one and s- starting from scratch? That, that, that These are the, the questions that not only the current government has to answer, but it the world has to answer it as well. Are they leaving us alone? Are they abandoning us? And for the government, for the Taliban, it, man, it's a history for them. History will remember them for whatever they're going to do after this. Okay, their first era is gone. People judged them on whatever way. It's past. Now they are in the few, present and it's up to them how they how would they represent themselves and how would they want the Afghanistan and Afghan nation and then a biggest responsibility for for the world. Okay, they withdraw. We don't want we don't want the internationals to be in Afghanistan forever. Nobody wanted, but the way they pulled out it was very irresponsible. They just pulled the rug out of the Afghans and we crashed. But we we are very happy that there were no bloodshed, there were no looting as we were expecting and right now the situation is a bit calmer people there are some optimism there are some positives the way taliban are saying or presenting themselves in the media is positive so far the people that i'm in touch with my family members there my friends cricketers a lot of people they're happy they see the difference hopefully that difference continues and afghanistan becomes a stable nation so you mentioned the Taliban and, and the challenge, I guess, for a, a militant group to be now having to ad- administer a country. Just flashing back to life under the Taliban in their last time in power, how did society operate 
um, in terms of the sports and leisure, which which is what you're involved in, obviously. And and you know, where was the place of sports and and specifically cricket? Okay, so for us, uh, uh, while we started cricket during Taliban's regime, uh, we were welcomed. I played my first game. It was their last three or four months of the government. After that, they collapsed. That was our first ever domestic provincial tournament in Afghanistan, where I scored a hundred again playing against uh, Kandahar. I guess yeah, I scored a hundred, and that's the first ever uh, century in domestic cricket history of Afghanistan. Tap my shoulder. <laughs> uh, no one can take that record from. <laughs> As a retrospectively being given uh, first class status once you got full membership. So do you have a first class hundred? Fortunately, you are not. Uh, even ICC members. No. <laughs> so they were supportive uh, of cricket. Yeah, but they had their own rules. Once there is a prayer time, no cricket. Everyone has to go to pray and then come back and resume their their, their game. So cricket was supported, and cricket was supported in last twenty years. Like one of the reasons why cricket boomed in in the country, like there that, that's a reality that in last 20 years the ex-government didn't have control over the entire Afghanistan 100% territory of Afghanistan so uh, we had cricketers coming out from the entire country so Taliban always supported cricket I remember uh, I was the national team manager and it was our first ever one day international against Pakistan and Taliban spokesman of the time, uh, he's still the spokesman, Zabiullah Mujahid, he called me and he wished uh, Afghanistan team a good luck and told me wish the entire team and we want you guys to beat Pakistan. So it, like uh, they always supported us and players like Mujib, uh, Ehsan Jannat, Rehmanullah Gurbaz, Sharafuddin Ashraf, Hamza, like I can, the names can go on. They came from the areas where predominantly Taliban's uh, were controlling those provinces. Why? Why do the Taliban like cricket? Because I know they they disapproved of other foreign things uh, in their first time in power. So why did they tick for cricket? Well, uh, a cricket. They're not against any sports in particular. They're not against any sports. Uh, they haven't said that. We don't like this XYZ sports and spam. Why cricket? The ultimate answer is that cricket is an identity for Afghans, man. Like we have done wonders in uh, across the world. Like previously, if I was introducing myself, like I, I, I'm going to give you a story. We were in Ventuk, Namibia. So I was in the gym running on a treadmill. There was another lady in that gym. So we started chatting like so normal chat. She answer, asked me, where are you from? I said, I'm from Afghanistan. I, I still remember she just entered to the gym and she started chatting with me. And I said, I'm from Afghanistan. And next two minutes, she disappeared from the gym. So if you would say, I'm, I'm from Afghanistan, people's perception was that, okay, gun or a knife in his hand. But with cricket, our cricketers are not just our role models. They have gained a global respect. They are the role models all across the world. Right now, when I see Rashid Khan plays in England and the crowd are lining up just to take his autograph, I cry out of happiness and joy. When he's playing in Big Bash, the entire Adnet crowd is just waiting and queuing up for Rashid Khan to take pictures and take his autograph. I am becoming, like I feel so proud 
Like I've done something for this country by producing Rashid Khan. And Rashid Khan is a peer of Khan. He's, he's always saying I'm a proud of Khan. And he's painting the flag of his country on his cheek and playing in, in, at the global stage. This is cricket for every Afghan and Taliban is obviously Afghans. They are not, they are, they are not strangers. They are not coming from anywhere else. So that's why they are, they are fans of cricket. Let me put it this way. Every Afghan is a fan of cricketers inside the country. They love to be there. <laughs> Another story I'm going to give you of Muhammad Nabi. I got an email from our intelligence NDS intelligence department that Nabi someone took a selfie with Nabi and that someone was a jackpot most wanted guy for the government and the Americans as well so they asked me who uh, we need to uh, ask Nabi who how, how does he know this guy so I definitely called Nabi and Nabi was laughing at me that I was playing at Ghazi Amanullah Khan Cricket Stadium and the guy came and who took a selfie with me. I don't know who he is. At that particular day, more than thousand people took pictures with me. So how would I know? They are fans of cricketers and they are fans of Afghanistan cricket. Well, just just on that, I guess, and you you mentioned Rashid Khan drawing the flag on on himself and his uh, his patriotism. Where do you see it all going now that the Taliban have taken over? In terms of players, do they need to censor themselves, or you know, what's the political situation going to be like in, in in terms of players aligning themselves with the Taliban government? To answer that, that question for you, players are, uh, at the end of the day, they are individuals, they are Afghans. And me, my personal take would be different from Rashid Khan's take or XYZ player's take. Some might say, okay, this is the government now and they're coming with their own flag or own stamp or their own anthems. It's not just player's take, it's national state. Right now, the majority of the Afghans, Afghans, they want their flag, the old flag, and their national anthem. Again, I'm telling you, we as Afghans, what we want, we want unity, we want solidarity, we want peace, we want this bloodshed to, to stop, and we want to see a developed Afghanistan, an accepted Afghanistan at the global stage. So right now, Taliban, they are at a huge a trial base. They were calling themselves freedom fighter. They were calling themselves mujahideens. They were calling themselves uh, a holy warrior. Now the war is finished, gone. Now it's up to them to live up to the expectations of the nation and come up with the structure that is accepted to the entire world. So obviously they have to come up with the expectation of me and 36 million other Afghans. So in 36 million, Rashid, Nabi, Asghar, Shafiq, XYZ, Ahmed, Mahmoud, all of them are included. So it's the question that Taliban has to answer. So you said that you were one of the first 12 players started playing. Can you talk a little bit about that journey, how you've gone from playing, and you said to team manager, to being CEO, and then helping Afghanistan become a full member because uh, I think it's it's amazing. You've just a little few little tidbits there and I think there's so much more to the story that I'd love to hear. I started, uh, as I told you, we were 12 members and honestly speaking, Tim, we were going and knocking each one's door to please come out because we just wanted to have 11 aside. We couldn't run and field <laughs> like six, six aside. It's very difficult for you to play a cricket game. So that has started and that has 
boomed. Obviously, we played uh, cricket uh, while we were immigrants in Pakistan. The cricket came from from there, and then while uh, after the Taliban's collapse, even worst uh, phase of our development started because the community did not accept it uh, at all. And, and inside Kabul, we saw policemen beating us and telling us that this is not Afghanistan's game. This is Pakistani game or this game or that game. I still remember there were parade uh, were happening of entire athletes. So every federation would pull the flag, uh, their signboard that, okay, this is football federation, volleyball federation, taekwondo federation. And there were 30,000 or 20,000 people were sitting inside the stadium. So we were handling our own like Afghanistan Cricket Federation. The minute we were passing the crowd, the majority of the crowd were abusing us uh, like uh, this and that XYZ abuses and this is not Afghan's game. So we went through such phases. And then I still remember like till 2007 or eight, we didn't have any government support. Like we uh, we earned affiliate membership of the ICC in 2001 and then ECC accepted our proposal in 2004. We uh, took part in Asian Cricket Council under 17 tournament held in Delhi where Nabi, Karim, uh, me, Hamid Hassan, Asghar, all these players were part of it. Uh, we, we managed to beat UAE and Malaysia there. Then we took part in uh, ECC trophy bag in Malaysia. Uh, we beat Malaysia there, we beat uh, one other team like uh, beating Nepal, Hong Kong and you uh, in the senior side were dream for us. And we were going and taking pictures, selfies with those players. And then finally we, ma we saw that talent in ourselves and, and the players were passionate because we lived such an abandoned life uh, before 2000. We were living like most, uh, not personally me, but most of these players were living in Pakistan and we used to call it immigrants. Nobody was calling us, hey Shafiq, hey Hamid, hey Nabi, hey Karim, like hey immigrant, come here. So we lived a very, uh, a very uh, abandoned life. And that's uh, motive or that turning point and that passion uh, brought into us like we were representing our own country we were playing under own flag we had a jersey in our in, in our body so the first thing we did we played in ecc trophy in malaysia we managed to beat some big teams we managed to beat malaysia we managed to beat uh, uh, nepal we managed to beat some other small teams but we lost to hong kong in the semi-final and we lost in a dl method for five runs else we would have qualified to the asia cup and that would have been a big thing we lost to uh, hong kong at that time and we were crying the entire team was crying because we wanted to see ourselves in the in, in, on the big screen and then the next year we managed to uh, win the ECC trophy back in Kuwait. And then once we won that first ECC trophy, we started ruling uh, at the ECC level. And that's uh, the, the first victory that we had in Kuwait, where m more than three or 4,000 people were at the ground. The pictures were taken. It went into the social media. That's where we caught the eyes of the government. And I remember while we came back from Kuwait, like six kilometers road were blocked just to welcome us from the airport. People were on the street. And then the government started having, uh, they started looking into us, okay, that these are the people who can do something. And then Ch President Karzai met us in 2008. 
and people were there and they were welcoming us. The flowers were there and they were cheering us. They were shouting for praising us. That was another motivating factor for the government. And then after that, President Karzai met us. And in 2009, since we were aliens to the cricketing world, we knew nothing because the players, we didn't know even what is the importance of water in, in athletes' life. Do we need to do warm-ups? Like before a game, do we need to do warm-ups? No, man. It was a toss, boom, straight into the ground. And we were just playing a game and coming back. Do we need to take ice bath? Man, what is ice bath? Do we need to do uh, to go to the pool to stretch ourselves? No, man, what is swimming pool? So we were just at the hotel, ground, play, come back. Nothing else. There was no professionalism in our life. Uh, and the only thing we were eating is KFC, McDonald's, Pepsi, this and that. <laughs> So that was our life, like, uh, that is what I'm saying, uh, I'm saying uh, we were aliens to the world. And then there was, there was a thought came into Aladad and Taj Malik's mind that, okay, we don't have to work under the umbrella of National Olympic Committee because that was another burden or hurdle or obstacle for our development. Because we have to go to the National Olympic Committee. There were so much bureaucracy and taking out your passport from the foreign ministry, applying visa, this, that. One day work would take us 10 days and we were not even being able to meet the National Olympic head. So that was a big, big drama for us, a big hurdle for us. Then they said, okay, rest of the world, they have cricket boards. They are independent, independent bodies. Why don't, let's try for this. So we went to the President Karzai and we asked him, and there was another lady called Malala Shinwari. She was a parliamentarian. She helped us through that because she had links in the government too. And Shahzada Masood, uh, the president of the federation of that time, he was the advisor minister to President Karzai. He played a very key and significant role. We managed to meet President Karzai. President Karzai asked us, okay, what do you guys want? We told him that we want to be an independent cricket board. We want to have our own chairman. We cannot work under the National Olympic Committee. And this is the requirement of ICC and, uh, and also uh, for the better development of this game. We need to be an independent board because previously under the uh, National Olympic umbrella, we had uh, a salary of $2 per month. Imagine this. So we became a national, we be, uh, he said, okay, that's fine. Okay, who would lead you guys? So we were very smart, street smart guys because we saw the world, okay, who should we pick? Let's pick finance minister. <laughs> he has the entire budget of the government in his hand. So we said, finance minister, Dr. Umar Zakhalwal, he would be our president. So President Karzai picked a call and he called the, the minister and said, are you ready for this task? He said, yeah, fine. I'm happy to help the youth. He took over the challenge. Chairman became the finance minister, became our chairman. And then we got the sponsorship. The fund came. Each player got a salary of $700 per month, a proper structure, proper office. These were like a structure came into place. That was a turning point. And then the cricket started booming. And I joined like till 2010, there was no salary because I had to uh, feed my family as well. Though I was not married, but my uh, extended family, brothers and sisters, we are always living in joint family. So I had another job. And beside that, I was supporting Afghanistan Cricket Federation too. In 2010, I officially started as team manager, national team manager till 2014, December 2014. What changes I brought? I saw the world. I traveled all over the world. I copied the best things of those cricketing worlds and I implemented in my part. So my boys, cricketers, they were eating KFC, McDonald's, Pepsi's and all these things. So what I had to do, okay, guys, 
If I catch you eating junk food, not a specific food prescribed from your physiotherapist, $500 is a fine. So $500 were a huge sum. Junk food, $500. I was making sure that there is a proper uh, water test before the game and I was making sure to put two liters of water on top of each player's head on their rooms. Each morning I was knocking their door, I have to see those bottles empty. If the bottle is not empty, another sign, uh, fine. So this is how we brought these changes. And then we were preaching, teaching the players that what is professionalism, how you can maintain your body, how you can enhance your playing life. You, you will not be a, a young man forever. So educating them. And then ICC played a huge role by introducing uh, their high performance program that helped us tremendously well. I attended a few high performance sessions with Richard Dunn, likes of Richard Dunn and some other people coming from the full members and they were uh, giving us their progression stories. So those were copying and uh, we were implementing it in, in our system. Till I became the chief executive of Afghanistan and I was sitting down at my office, I received a call from the president office saying, please submit your CV and your educational documents. Mr. President wants to meet you on Friday. What for? Nobody knows. This is the email address. I sent my stuff on Friday. The president of the country interviewed me on Saturday, 8 o'clock, national television. The news flashed Shafiq Stanikzai is the new chief executive of Afghanistan Cricket Board. Wow. And I remember I told the guys, listen, guys, I'm not ready for this challenge. I'm resigning. So I still remember the guy who was working closely with the president. His name was Mukhtar, and he told me, look, Shafiq, you've been appointed by the president of the country. Uh, uh, for sure, he saw something in you, and you uh, you deserve this position. So f while I took, the, took over the job, I had few big challenges. A, we didn't have um, title sponsorship, main sponsorship for, for the board. We were only depending on ICC funds uh, and whatever was coming from the government. So in my first two months, I obtained a $1.3 million annual sponsorship deal with Alokozai group of companies. Shpagiza was ongoing. It was their, its third edition. Uh, USAID was uh, sponsoring Shpagiza at that time but they had some restrictions that you cannot bring another sponsors because it's a donation. So you cannot bring sponsorships. This is the sum and you can only use that sum. You have to manage your tournament. Yeah, it was a half a million dollar and we could manage it. But my uh, ambition was sky high from that. Why would I convince myself with a half a million? So I terminated that fund with uh, US Embassy. I made it commercial, uh, franchised, first edition, players got sold out till hundred thousand dollars one player like only the player purse reached to a million dollars and we got six teams six franchises international players from all across the world uh, west indies south africa pakistan uh, sri lanka oman uh, ue players from these countries came and they played inside kabul so that was like my motive was to bring money into the boat and make players financially stable and sustainable. Uh, 
for player development, umpires, coaches, grounds, infrastructure. Because the first thing I, I did while I took over as the CEO, the last ICC full membership criteria, because as an individual who, who was involved in Afghanistan Cricket Board from uh, the beginning till uh, date, I knew that we have the potential to become a test nation. We have the talent to beat any side in the world on a given day, but we needed a, we just need a platform and exposure. And that exposure and platform were not there, so you need to lobby. So what I did, I knew that I cannot go out of the ICC associate room, which was predominantly 90 people sitting there, Tim. Tim knows better. 90 people were sitting at the ICC associate room and only 10 people were sitting at the full member room. So the noise of 90 people are always louder than the 10 people. Okay, if it doesn't make any power or change, but it, it reaches to the ears. So I started lobbying in that 90 people room for Afghanistan because before me Afghanistan, it was Ireland, Scotland, Netherlands and UAE. Tim might agree with me. And after that, Hong Kong and Afghanistan were fighting. So I started lobbying for Afghanistan. With all due respect to those countries as well, I started lobbying for Afghanistan, sending reports, public interest, government interest, sponsors interest, Shpagiza, the crowd. Like each game that we were playing inside Afghanistan, more than 20,000 people were watching those games capture the videos, capture the uh, photos and send it across to those 90 people and also to those 10 people that they were not accepting us at that time. <laughs> so that was the time that uh, I started lobbying for Afghanistan cricket and challenging uh, credit goes to Cricket Island CEO, Warren Dutram and their chairman, all other uh, leading uh, ICC associate chief executives and, and chairmen, they started lobbying that uh, there should be room for uh, another countries to become full members. So also studied the previous criteria that was uh, back in 2000, Bangladesh obtained their full membership. I studied that criteria. I went to the ground reality. We were almost there except beating full member in a bilateral event. So the performance part was lacking. So what we did, I have to convince full member to play with us. So I decided which full member is a potential candidate to play with us and where I have a chance to beat them. Obviously Zimbabwe, Bangladesh, West Indies. I started knocking their doors. I managed to convince them, play with them, show them the commercial side of playing Afghanistan and cricketing side of playing Afghanistan. I managed to set up a first bilateral series with Zimbabwe. We went to Zimbabwe, we beat Zimbabwe, we hosted Zimbabwe, we beat Zimbabwe. I managed to convince uh, Bangladesh, we went to Bangladesh, we beat them in Bangladesh. So the criteria of full membership were fulfilled, infrastructure were fulfilled, players development pathway, and domestic cricket, where I've worked and invested a lot. So I came up with a proper domestic structure, school, club, level and then from there to provincial and from provincial to inter-provincial, inter provincial, inter-regional, regional and then from there to Afghanistan under 23, A-team and national side. That pipeline feed Afghanistan cricket really well and we have invested quite heavily in our domestic cricket. How? I would tell you we know that how much money you need for yourself to live an average life. How much money you should earn to live an average life, including your family. So through those funds, we invested in our domestic cricket. So if a player 
we at the time we had 350 full-time professional players from domestic structure if they are playing in our domestic structure they were getting paid from $300 to $1,000 a month so all the parents who are allowing their kids to go and play cricket so from players pool perspective we were the richest side in the world from financial level we were a reasonable side, a reasonable board in the world. From coaches, we didn't have technical support and we didn't have umpires. We started training coaches, we started training umpires, uh, we started uh, educating scorers. So we developed our uh, first class infrastructure as well. And that's where, and also there were a lobby going on on some constitutional changes at the ICC level to accept uh, new full members. Obviously, Afghanistan and Ireland were there. And in 2017, we obtained that landmark of becoming a full member and test playing nation for Afghanistan of the ICC. So that was a huge achievement. And as an administrator for me, it was a proud and happiest moment. And after obtaining full membership and test status, the next uh, milestone for us was to win the World Cup. And in my strategy at that time, uh, we have targeted 2025. By 2027, we should win one of the World Cups in any format. Like in 2015 till 2025, our strategic plan objectives were to become test playing nation, ICC full member, to be ranked number seven in ODIs, number eight in test cricket, and number five in T20s. We achieved almost everything in two years time. So before I was leaving, a 10 year strategy was were achieved just in two years time. So after that, I sat with my internal team to draw another strategy, 10 year strategy for Afghanistan. Like after 2019 till 2027, we knew where the ICC events are. And one of our top target was to win any of white ball World Cup and be in top five test team of the world. So that was our strategic objectives. But after I left, unfortunately, I would say Afghanistan Cricket Board went into the hands of leaders who didn't understand cricket. Like, for example, our ex-chairman, he called one of the players, are you a journalist? <laughs> so we had such chairman in the board. He knew nothing about Afghanistan cricket and he was just sitting in England and monitoring Afghanistan cricket from England. So I don't know, like uh, Afghanistan cricket went very down since 2019, unfortunately. So I hope it's a, a very big journey I have given you. <laughs> <laughs> now we're just uh, marking off questions as you're talking. Um, just want to jump on one little part of the story there only because I remember you mentioning it when we were talking about Rashid, how his journey was in parallel really really with Afghanistan getting that full membership where you, you scouted him from a, a third division team and moved him to the National Academy and rushed him into Zimbabwe for some of those those key games. Can you just give us a little a little insight into Rashid's story? Because I think everyone who's listening to this and knows about Afghanistan cricket will most likely think of Rashid Khan as, as, as number one in terms of playing talent. Can you just share a little about his story? Uh, so I was sitting at my office. Rashid Khan featured uh, Kuchi's team. It's Nomad's team. Kuchi is the biggest part of our country, so uh, they don't belong to any specific provinces. So we had to give them another, uh, like a Nomad team, Kuchi team. So he represented Kuchi teams in 
Division 3 in our lowest category of domestic structure. So under-19 coach of that time, uh, Daulat Khan Ahmed Zai, he saw him and he gave a trial and he said he was from that coach team, he got selected to under-19 team. Like he was picking five wickets and scoring 50s and 70s in that entire tournament. Obviously, he should have. So Daulat Khan Ahmed Zai, he was the chief selector and under-19 coach of the time he was uh, having both the responsibilities he called me that chief can you come out of your office and i want to show you something so every time he made such call i knew he is making me see a talent so excitedly i left everything i closed my laptop i went out i sat on the box and the under 19 guys were playing the game so i told him what do you want to show me dollar so he said you're good enough in scouting talent, you would see, just watch the game. So Rashid came uh, next over, the over finished, next over Rashid came. And man, he took two wickets and he was like unplayable. No one could pay, even the wicket keeper were not paying, picking him. So I told Dalat, is this the guy? I said, yeah, that's the guy. And it's like our first ever tour to Zimbabwe. And my aim was to beat a full member in a bilateral series to fulfill the ICC full membership criteria. Good. The selection meeting took place. It was selection committee, obviously, Asgar. So they were having a meeting. Obviously, I had, I had no rule to play in selection. So I was sitting, and they were sitting in my office. Asgar was not convinced with Rashid, and he had his uh, reason for it. He said, look, Dollar, he bowled to me in, my ne in the nets. I know he is a good bowler, but he is very young. I don't want his career to be finished before it starts. We are going for the first time playing a full member. That is Zimbabwe and in their home soil. So it's, it's going to be a tough ask. And his logic was like, uh, his reason was a logical reason. So I was looking like, maybe he's right, like he's a captain. And, and I really respect his cricketing sense and knowledge. So I asked uh, Asgar that, Asgar, what if we just in induct him in T20 side? Okay, ODIs are important for me. You have to give me one game at least out of four. You have to win one game. But okay, let's uh, induct him in uh, T20 side. Said, yeah, in T20s we can take him. He can bowl, give us good four overs. Said, fantastic. He got selected in our T20 international side as well. So at the same time, he was part of ICC Afghanistan under 19 and part of Afghanistan senior side. The team flown to Zimbabwe. Uh, we had terrible first two uh, practice games, bowled out scoring 120 in both the games. First ever ODI against Zimbabwe, not ever, first ODI of the, of the series. Afghanistan bowled out scoring 120 and Zimbabwe crushed us in 20 overs. They finished the game. I got a call from captain and coach. We need Rashid Khan chief. <laughs> Can you make sure he gets into the plane? For the next game I said yeah next game would be uh, not possible yeah but sure um, i approve your request send me an email i'll approve it so we managed to find rashid rashid was at jalalabad overnight he came to kabul he took the flight in the morning he reached to zimbabwe obviously inzimamul haq saw him next game he entered first game game 10 overs 39 runs two wickets second game we won Af afghanistan won second game 10 overs 30 plus runs, two wickets, Afghanistan won. Third game, 10 overs, 40 plus runs, three wickets, Afghanistan won. In T20Is, three games, we beat Zimbabwe, 3 nil. Afghanistan, Rashid Khan was main of the series. From then till now, Rashid Khan did not look back. Rashid Khan is Rashid Khan. 
So that's his story. Yeah, but I'm a CEO, what CEO, I called Rashid to my office after that series. I told him, look, Rashid, you will become number one baller of the world, undoubtedly. Please accept my two advices for your career development. Said, Chief, tell me, don't get married quickly. <laughs> and please, please, I beg you, do not accept Afghanistan's captaincy. <laughs> These were my two advices to him. He is acting on my first advice. <laughs> the second advice, he took over as a captaincy. He failed himself. He gave up. And now he again became the captain of Afghanistan T20 side. So good luck to him. <laughs> So many further questions that, that come from the knowledge that you're bringing to the conversation. But I think the first thing that comes to mind, talking about Rashid Khan, and now over the years we've seen an emergence of talent, especially in spin bowling in Afghanistan. What's the secret to Afghanistan spin development? Uh, I think it's uh, mainly because Nabi, Rashid and Mujib. Previously, we have Hamid Hassan. We had Hamid Hassan. Unfortunately, he got injured. And while Hamid Hassan was playing in Afghanistan, we had tremendous talent and pool of fast bowling. Since Rashid Khan came, we have a tremendous pool of spin bowling and finger spinners. And these uh, mystery spinners you call... I'm, uh, uh, please excuse my language. I call them crazy spinners because they do something else extraordinary with their fingers that's not a textbook or it's not from a coaching manual they're doing something crazy with their fingers and daniel to answer you what we did we prepared a talent depth chart one thing we did really well and i picked that from new zealand i still remember i asked new zealand high performance manager I asked him that, what is that one thing you guys are doing so good? Because with a very little population and little amount of players, you guys are world's best team. I said, Shafiq, we are identifying the best talent at their right age and we are developing them till they reach national side. And, I, and as I told you, I was just picking pieces and implementing it in my system. The first thing I came back, I managed to form a committee, identify talents across Afghanistan, under 17s, 100 under 17 players, 100 under 23 players, and 100 under 25 players. And that committee's job was to look after them, make sure they play cricket throughout the year, make sure they are being part of Afghanistan's domestic structure, club cricket structure, and school cricket structure. And that's where we were identifying them. Like, okay, Rashid came out of the blue, but still he was a young guy. He was a 17, 18 year old while he came into the system. But Mujib, he is a pure production of Afghanistan's cricket talent identification system. Kareem Jannat, Ehsan Jannat, current captain Hashmatullah Shahidi, Najib Zadran, Rehmanullah Gurbaz, name it like they are just the production and uh, of that talent identification system. So for each thing we had system and that system worked for us and we were just, our eyes were always on those players who we knew they're going to represent Afghanistan in a very near future. You mentioned that since 2019, things have gone a little bit pear-shaped in the way that the game has been run. But I think it's fair to say that now with everything going on politically, I'm sure that's another spanner in the works. What do you envisage for Afghan cricket in the immediate future, given the situation at hand? Well, I would 
listen, cricket in Afghanistan will never die. I would say we have done a tremendous amount of good work that cricket is becoming A, an identity for every Afghan across the globe and B, cricket will always be a darling inside Afghanistan. And what we did brilliantly well, we made sure ourselves as Afghanistan Cricket Board that Afghanistan national side becomes the darling of global cricket. So without Afghanistan's national side, I don't think so any cricket tournament, any ICC event would be the same. ICC has a major role to play in this. Regardless of whatever happens at the global arena, global political arena, because I don't trust politics at all, ICC should stand firm in support of Afghanistan cricket. ICC invested in Afghanistan cricket. Afghanistan cricket made full justice to ICC's investment. And right now, Afghanistan is one of the top-notch and a hot and a darling side of the global cricket. So ICC has a huge responsibility. They should not abandon Afghanistan cricket. The responsibility, I would say, is completely on ICC. So just on that idea of you know, the ICC supporting Afghanistan through the tough times now and, and how, as you say, Afghanistan being the, the darling of international cricket, um, the ICC definitely had their eyes on the team as, as you guys were moving up through the divisions. It was, you know, a, obviously a feel-good story for them and, and um, even looking to the sort of the government side of things, the Americans were spending a lot of money on facilities and, and various other aid groups were, were investing in Afghan cricket. So the the side being so successful is is a positive thing for a lot of kind of investors, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, how important was all that in, in you guys setting up the structure that you have now? Okay, uh, I will answer the ICC part, but from the donor's perspective, USAID helped support us Kabul Stadium and India helped support us Kandahar Cricket Stadium. Helmand, Zabul, Kandahar, yeah, these are the three stadiums built by Indian government support and Kabul is supported by USAID. Rest of it, I said thank you very much to the donors. No donors. Uh, Afghanistan Cricket Board during my time was the only organization that we did not accept any donorship. We made sure ICC funds, sponsorship, Afghanistan government's funding, and our leagues, Shpagiza Cricket League, Afghanistan Premier League, first edition was a huge support to the players, not to the board, to the players, and our uh, gate revenues that we were playing inside the country and outside the country, TV rights and sponsorships. That was good enough to maintain our business. Coming to your question, how significant ICC support was in Afghanistan and is in Afghanistan. As I told you, Afghanistan, we were aliens to the cricketing world. People who did, who, athletes who don't understand the value of drinking water or warm-ups or pre or post exercises after the game, ICC played a major role. By their high-performance program, we understood what high-performance world means, what high-performance is and what we as an organization should do to maintain a lifestyle of our cricketers. A cricketer needs to talk as a cricketer, walk as a tr- cricketer, dress as a cricketer, and eat as a cricketer. So we learned these four things and our 
and and we made sure our, our our cricketers understand that right from their school age you are someone very different from other people the way you walk the way you talk the way you eat and the way you dress that should differentiate you from others it's a very vague statement but we made sure that comes under the system for example how we gave the contract, central contracts to our national team players. It was not just the performance, how much he scores and how much he, how much wickets he gets. Performance came always third in our central contract criteria. So first it was their discipline, second it was their fitness, and third it was their performance. So 30% counted on discipline, 20% counted on their of their salaries counted on their fitness and 50% counted on their performances and discipline, their whereabouts, their timings, their wearings, their nutrition, their sleep, implementation of the plan given by the captain and coach during the game, given by their strength and conditioning coach and nutrition and physiotherapist while they're on their off season. So all these reports were coming, feeding into their system, and then the mark sheet was producing its result. Fitness, obviously we had a standard criteria, and that's yo-yo, jumps, sprints, speed, agility, a proper setup system, uh, examinations were taking place, and then it becomes their performances. So we learned these things. We learned these things during our high-performance programs, uh, while ICC made sure we meet the elites of the world, elite administrators of the world, high performance coaches of the world. We learned those things from them and then we created our own system inside our system, which worked for us and it worked brilliantly well for us. And that system we copied and we implemented in our domestic structure, in our grade three, grade two, grade one, provincial tournaments, in our two-day tournament, provincial tournament selection were based on that, regional, and under 23, under 25, under 19, this system was implemented in entire Afghanistan cricket structure. And it worked and it produced results for us. And it produced greats like Rashid Khan, Mujib, from the youngsters. And even the seniors, we made sure they became the role models for, for the juniors to be followed. So ICC played a huge role. Specifically, I should thank ICC development program of leaders, uh, ICC leaders. Uh, uh, we had a group of ICC leaders, 11, me and Tim were part of it. That played a huge, significant role uh, in my development as a sports leader, as an individual and as a sports leader. So these are the supports that we should man mention and we should be thankful of the ICC. And that's where I say, ICC has a huge responsibility, a bigger responsibility than before. They should not abandon Afghanistan cricket. You've talked about Rashid Khan's story and how he came to the national team and he was playing in the Kochi teams, the farming nomads people group. Uh, cricket is sort of primarily seen as a, a Pashtun game in Afghanistan. What's the explanation that you see for the lack of penetration into other people groups within the country? Uh, it's a very young game, uh, Nick. Cricket is a very young game. And as I told you, it came from uh, while we were immigrants. And obviously, Pashtun got immigrated to Pakistan. 
our very speaking brothers and sisters they migrated to tajikistan or either iran so that part was football uh, dominated and that part was cricket dominated but once we started cricket one of our strategical objective was to spread the game in the areas where not pashtuns so what we did we managed to build based infrastructure in those provinces like in kunduz in baghlan in mazar in farah uh, in shabargan in maimana in Sh- in jozjan the dari speaking or started coming from that part as well it's 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 a slow process but it's a very productive process until i was there for the first time our under 19 team 60% of our under 19 players were from the northern part of the country whoms are not pashtun 60% so the cricket was developing and it's and it was because it, it, it is a national sport like every afghan regardless of their ethnicity their belief system their tribe or their language they follow afghanistan cricket and they love afghanistan cricket herat is another example and we our junior cricketers were coming from that part yeah to represent afghanistan in a side it's a time consuming maybe another 5 to 6 years now one of the other challenges in terms of development over the last sort of decade plus has been the women's team and and we know that Afghanistan got a cultural exemption to the women's requirements for full membership. Uh, we saw last year an announcement about a women's team being formed. I don't know if they ever played any matches. Um so I guess uh well, what what was the problem with setting up the women's team? Women is always a sensitive subject inside Afghanistan because uh forget about the governments what their approaches are ex government or current government of taliban i don't know what kind of what, what should we call because currently we don't have a government but whatever comes under whatever name uh the society is not ready to accept women playing cricket that was a huge challenge for for, for me as an administrator like it was a close to impossible scenario for me as an administrator how to convince the women to play cricket and i was hugely criticized inside the government that okay he is not good enough to establish a women cricket but yeah there was a, a very slow progress for women cricket a very st- steady progress but yes there was a progress for women cricket and finally we had two to three provinces where we started cricket very slowly in their schools but it was a time consuming and obviously uh, why icc gave us exemption because they are log- logical people sitting in there and they, they could understood us and uh, was able to explain my situation to them but to answer your question i don't know where women cricket right now stands because i have allocated a specific fund for women cricket development and that fund was giving us good results I don't know uh, from last 3 years where where women cricket is standing things that I see in media I don't believe things I believe on ground reality I had a chat with the current chairman of Afghanistan cricket board uh, I deliberately asked him that uh, okay in the media wherever I get interviewed what is the government stand on women's cricket development and he said we are open to develop women cricket and that was very surprisingly for me the talibans are telling me they can play cricket so if that happens that's a huge huge positive for them and uh, i i took it as a huge positive and that's chairman's word that i'm telling you so hopefully uh, we have some good progression but again 
the main and the key question is the society themselves. Are they allowing their women to play cricket? So for that, you need to educate the society too. Do you think, for, you know, it's clear how much you love Afghanistan and cricket in Afghanistan. Do you see a future of you again working within the ACB again? To be honest, Tim, I love my country. I would do anything for my country. But I'm extremely disappointed as well. The amount of work I and my team has put in the development of Afghanistan. We've gone through a very challenging period. Like There was a very structured lobby placed against us from the government itself, against specific people, against legends like Muhammad Nabi, Asghar Afghan, Rose Mangal, Rashid Khan, Shafiq Stanikzai, Bashir Stanikzai, Sheragha Hamkar, these were the individuals that they gave their lives to the cricket and we could see that Afghanistan cricket is becoming a mixture of a government political hub and while we rose our voices they did a very structured lobby against us a very negative lobby against us inside not only just inside the country across the globe so I'm a bit disappointed uh, to be honest and uh, how can you blame people who has produced results to be honest like i am my my biggest jealousy from the athletes are that they take all the freaking credit <laughs> and the administrators are the unsung heroes we are we are the ones sitting on the chair working our asses out just to get blamed i was always uh, ch chatting with with the players and telling them then when you guys win the games oh Long live to Rashid, long live to Nabi, long live to Asghar. When you guys lose, go hell to Shafiq. <laughs> I'm sitting on the donkey and the people are just criticizing me. <laughs> I'm not playing in the ground. You guys are playing in the ground. So that was our chit chat. But to answer you, your question, I'm a bit disappointed, to be honest, from that structured lobby. But obviously, if I see myself fit in, if I see the structure of Afghanistan, a loyal to the national interest and fit in that system, I would love to serve at any capacity for Afghanistan. Afghanistan is my first love. Again, I'm telling you, Afghanistan is my first love. I've sacrificed my, my love towards my family, to my kids, and I prioritized Afghanistan all the time. So it is my indeed my first love, and I would love to go back, and I would love to work for my people, and I would love to live a purpose for life. So this has probably been one of the most widely encompassing interviews we've had on the Emerging Cricket Podcast in, in so many ways. And I think it's important for this story to be told, but it would be remiss of us for not asking you a question that we ask everybody on the show. And it is perhaps a little bit more trivial than, than some of the other things we've talked about. But Shafiq Stanikzai, if you could change any law or anything in international cricket, what would it be and why? I would answer this question a bit uh, in a broader way for the developing countries. I think uh, if the vision of the ICC is, one of the strategic objective of the ICC is to globalize cricket in the world, there are many, many creative ways to do so. And they should not stop some of the developing associate nations by having their own independent decisions in terms of their domestic structures, 
their leagues, their pathways. I think they should come up, okay, ICC cannot support financially nations that fulfill all their requirements for cricket development programs. But there are so many creative ways that those associate worlds can come up and can be self-sufficient financially in no time. Because end of the day, if you want to develop a cricket, you need to have cricketers. And if you are to have cricketers, you need to give them financial stability. If that financial stability is not there, you will not have cricketers in your country. So most of the countries are struggling from that. And I think ICC should reconsider some of the restrictions and laws and give some lab liberties to those nations to A, work with them closely, review their financial streams, income streams, and allow them to run their own programs amongst themselves, bilaterally or domestically inside their country. I think that's probably one of the strongest answers we've had, boys. I'm not sure if that's, some, that's a sentiment that you agree with. But... <laughs> oh, well, you know, it's not, nothing about runouts at the bowler's end or uh, or leg bias. So uh, I think we'll definitely put that on the top shelf of... Uh... Of the uh, the answers. Well, Shafiq Stanikzai, we thank you for your poise and perspective on everything in regards to Afghanistan and cricket in the country. Good luck in your ventures, and let's hope uh, for positive change to come to Afghanistan and its people. Once again, thank you for joining us on the Emerging Cricket Podcast. Alright, guys, thanks for having me. It was wonderful chatting with you. As a passionate cricketer, I'm always keen to have chat with emerging sides. And this platform for the, uh, I really love the name Emerging Cricket. Cricket needs to emerge by its real mean. Lovely having you guys and uh, thanks for the time.